Insert your own theme tune here. That's um, how we always start. I know. Do you know that? I've heard, I've listened to two of them. Right. Yeah. Nick always yeah. says that, and then we normally say that we, we really got to get around to recording some kind of sting, and then we say that is the sting, and then that's um, uh, that's it really. I mean, yeah. we are sitting in a room you with know. a piano, and Nick is a pianist. Yeah. So, I mean, if we wanted to. That's unfair. <laughs> Uh, the voice is you it, are is hearing... Is more unfair than you, Nick Doody, the host of the podcast, telling an audience to insert their own when you are so a that musician? Was I think, I think when he is a musician and he's actually got two pianos around us right now. <laughs> two pianos. Not, how, many, how many pianos do you need before you'll actually write a piece of music? And this is an unusually long time for the podcast to go before I go... Oh, hang on, we haven't said who we are. <laughs> <laughs> you see, we're, fall, we're falling into a very definite rhythm here, aren't we? Yeah, not a good one. <laughs> no, he says that every time as well. Um, I'm Nick Doody. So am I. <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> so pick the bones out of that. <laughs> we have with us this week Dave Gorman, uh, who's about to do the last show of the tour. Oh, last show of this leg of the tour. There is another leg of the tour next Golly, year. Okay. So They're legs. Why, why is that not a different tour? Because it's the same show. Okay. So they are, you know, that's what <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why you have a title on a tour show. So yeah. people who who uh, come and see it twice can't complain that they've seen the show, same show twice. Yes, yeah, you've got to cover all angles, haven't you? Except for one person. I was on my, my favourite complaint. We did a this show, not, not on this tour, on a previous tour. We did two nights in Swindon. Sort of a couple of months apart, but very definitely on the same tour. Right. Same poster, same title. Same leg. Uh, I understand no, that. No, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, well, maybe one was autumn, one was spring, something like that. So okay. maybe more than a couple of months. Different but leg. I, either way, um, you know, you, the whole point of having a title and calling it the tour is... A clue, big clue. Is that Massive people clue. understand it's the same yeah. show. Because... Um, uh, because there is a difference on the circuit. It's why you can't go out as Dave Gorman every time, yeah. <laughs> rather than changing a name. Yeah, if things are evolving and changing slowly when you're sort of doing circuit gigs, that's one thing. But when you get to thinking, going, right, my name's on the door, this is how much it costs, come and see me here, I'm doing a long show. Yeah. It's, if you were changing that every night, you're shortchanging someone somewhere who's not getting the same show. So you go, right, this is it, lock it down, that's going to be the, the, the case for as long as this tour lasts. Anyway, so, so I, I, we'd finished in Swindon on the second one, and I was looking at Twitter, and somebody went, oh, you could have done a little bit of new material. I mean, it's the same show as last time. <laughs> and so I replied saying, well, you know, you came to see the same show, which was advertised with the same title. Like, that, I can't do more than tell you that. And they went, yeah, well, us ushers don't get to see the title. <laughs> so they, they were volunteering at the theatre. They'd seen it twice for that's free. A great, that's a great argument. They'd seen it twice for free for crying out loud. Yeah. Even and it's ticket. still not good enough. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> maybe they see your TV programme and say, he turns out a new show every week. Yeah. You know? Maybe they do. Maybe they do. So you're a victim of yourself, really, aren't you? <laughs> well, that's one way of looking at it. Or they're an idiot. <laughs> and you know what? If you're, if you're, I know they're volunteers, and I know that theatres need those people, and they are lovely yes. people, and they are generally doing a wonderful job. That's the way people always talk about people before they say they're idiots again. No, no, effectively, <laughs> they're lovely. They're pretty. If you're putting on a uniform and working for that theatre, yes. whatever you think of the show, yeah. don't tweet a complaint about no, it. Of course not. That's <laughs> of course not. You expect a certain level of loyalty, yeah. don't you? Really? Well, she went on to go about how rude the staff were. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> how, many, how many legs has the tour got? 
Uh, a two in this case. Oh, really? At the moment, yeah. Okay. I thought it's always possible it can be extended. But, it's a um, biped. It's a biped yeah. door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've done. I've I've done much longer. Uh, I've done legs with sort of four. I've tours with four or five legs in them previously. Right. Sort of, you know, yeah. But this this one I think will probably end at the end of the session. So when you say this tour's got legs, you mean this one's got? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this tour's got yeah. loads of legs. <laughs> um, yes. How long have you been touring for? Uh, Do you even know how many tours you've done now, or is it all? Um, Such a Vietnam question. Yeah, well, I think it depends. How, many, I, how I, many wars have you been to? So I did the first show I did that could properly sort of tour was a thing called Reasons to Be Cheerful, which was in '97, I think. Right. All right. Um, wow, I was, but that was, I was where a new I'd, comic. I'd be able to do about. 15 to 20 art centres with it, you know, not right. like a tour of this scale. Um, but since then, I've done, I did that, I did Battle World, I did, oh, you did Gorman, I did Google Wank, took a bit, I'm probably eight or nine tours in. Right, wow. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, That's huge. You've been along for what, two of them now? Nick? Me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, tours, not legs. <laughs> How's the touring experience? I really like it. Um, yeah, it was. Um, was it 2016? Were we doing that? There was one where I realised one December. I mean, because this is the end of this leg, and it's um, yeah, it's not December yet. So my December is going to be more circuity. Um, but there was one I sort of was going, "Thank you, Dave," <laughs> just because I was playing these lovely <laughs> theatres and art centres and not doing the sort of pissed up Christmas gigs. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. It is lovely seeing my comedian friends bemoaning the onslaught of the of the Christmas gigs, and just knowing I'm able to go right and pull up the drawbridge now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See you next yeah. year. It's all right. Yeah, enjoy the paper hats and the streamers and the yeah. drunks yeah. and the. The anger, yeah, <laughs> the anger that you get at Christmas. We don't have to deal with that. Happy it's lovely. Christmas, really angry. Do you ever? When was the last time you went to a comedy club, like a weekend comedy club? Uh, when was it? Uh, it wouldn't have been that long ago. It would have been within a year. Right. Um, I haven't done it since we've moved house, but I did do it when I was in London. You know, probably within six months before we moved. So right. you know, at some Let's point see. around then. At the door, oh. I we might have visitors walk in. We'll just find out who that is. We can just leave oh. it rolling. Find out who it is. Who dares? We haven't said where we're Interrupt. recording this. Uh, we recorded this in one of the dressing rooms backstage at the Royal Festival Hall, which uh, luckily uh, Dave's played tonight and I'm support at because uh, it's normally quite difficult to get people along to this or to get in ourselves. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's sometimes difficult to get in ourselves even when we are playing it. Yeah. But they let us tonight. Yeah. You got it full tonight? Uh, a couple of thousand. I don't know if that's full or not. Yeah, sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. That's pretty nice. It oh. only sees 300. I mean, it's remarkable. <laughs> <one of them. laughs> it's laps, is it? Yeah. Everyone's on laps. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, I know you must get asked this all the, all the time, but the, you're known for a genre. You're known for a style of comedy that's, uh, that you really kind of started. Um. Sort of, although that makes me a little bit uncomfortable, although... I'm sure someone had used a projector before, but I don't think it was... You kind of got it... But in the, in the, in the sense that people talk about Gorman-esque shows, and that became a thing in reviews in Edinburgh. It did, which I... Uh, and 
I'm, I'm very glad that I would say someone like Simon Munnery is a great innovator and doesn't yeah. get the credit. And it's it's a very lucky and privileged position that people uh, I've put a flag in the ground and I get some credit for it, which is which is probably got a slide of that somewhere. Have you that flag? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you know what I mean, like because a lot of people don't necessarily get that yeah. acknowledgement. So it's very lovely and it sort of takes that bit of territory. But then I would also see the reviews that were saying Gormanesque and nine times out of ten they were shows I absolutely hated. <laughs> and yeah, for a while it meant anyone who projected anything for a yeah, while yeah. now Gormanesque. So. There was a really, the, one of my favourite reviews I've ever had was a guy, I think he came to see Google That's funny, you get blamed for stuff as well. <laughs> uh, and he's, he's, the first half of the review is yeah. him basically going, Oh, my editor said I had to go and review Dave Gorman, and I hate Dave Gorman. I didn't want to go and review it. <laughs> and, you know, and then the second half of it, going, oh, oh my God, like, he's actually really good. And right. the reason he hated me was partly that perception of there's this genre, right. and people are doing wow. these shows, and and he was sort of blaming me for all these other shows oh, he'd yeah, seen in the that last happens five with everything. years. Even when you talk about like musical comedy, or whatever, there's really good musical comedy yeah, yeah, and there's exactly. really yeah, shit. Yeah. When people talk about oh, it's musical comedy, they really mean the people who are doing it in the, in the most uh, mundane kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind but, of like so what he was uh, doing changing was a lyric going, or whatever. Um, the reason I don't think I wanted to see this show is I spent five years reviewing shows that everyone says I like Dave Gorman's, and I didn't like them. Right. And when I saw him, and he's not like that. Right, he's not like that at all. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's actually yeah. really quite good. Why should the pretenders be as good as the original? Know, anyway, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. sort of tight. That's why it makes me slightly uncomfortable with that label. But then oh, I think I you know, know. someone like yeah. Nick Hornby writes really good novels that lots of people started aping. That kind of lad lit yep. thing, and most of the copyists are subpar. Yep. And I, I sort of liked him. Not, I am not saying I am the Nick Hornby of comedy, um, but I like, I like to imagine that he's somewhere going. Oh God, I wish people wouldn't. But you did leave. You did leave that. a kind of legacy behind. In, in for a little while, for a good two or three years, almost every show in Edinburgh had a projector and was was doing a, a certain style of show. That yeah, you know, yeah, I know. It became a thing. I know, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Edinburgh goes through different phases and different different you know subject areas and so on. That, that it does, but there's always that things. That, that's but the happen. truth is, there's always everything. Right. So it's so easy to write one of those articles that goes, "Whimsy is the new rock and roll." Yeah, yeah, and yeah. whatever because <laughs> you can find five of anything in Edinburgh. Yeah. So if you want to pluck five whimsical comics and go, "This is the new vanguard oh, yeah, of British yeah. comedy," then yeah. you can do it. But you could write that any year you like. Oh, totally. Just as you could write. Everyone's being surreal this year. I know you're going to see the surreal acts, merchants yeah. and they're taking it back yeah. to its roots. You could write that every year if you wanted to. <laughs> That's you the bollocks, like, isn't it? Hey, it's the root of the log gag. The lo-fi. Huh? That was a thing, and there were like three of them. But it was like the, uh, you remember the lo-fi comics, and it was basically Daniel Kitson and Alan Cochran, and maybe one other person. <laughs> It was a few, was wasn't it? There was a, there was, what does that mean? Yeah. There was a little group for a while, wasn't there? Mostly West Country comedians, I think, developed what was called lo-fi comedy. Well, okay, Deadlass from Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thinking, I don't want to name loads of acts, but I'm thinking other acts who, who got put on that list of... Uh, I don't know, I, I never really understood what, the, what it meant as a, as a label, but I saw it around a bit. But I know what you mean. There are different labels to go around. They, they're easy to prove. But I do think there are there are certain themes. And also, that was a strong thing. For quite a while, there were a lot of people using projectors. And, yeah. But 
Where did it start? You you were because you were you were slides before you were PowerPoint, right? Yeah, yeah. So I did. It, did you um, start you just drawing pictures before that? Well, <laughs> well, I, I used to use um, I used to use two projectors. I used to use a a slide projector with photos and an overhead projector with documents. Right. And it started because I was doing. It's when I did a show called Reasons to Be Cheerful, which was about the lyrics to the Injury song. It it sort of morphed when I was writing it into a show about the making of the show. And I wanted, so I, I, I basically, I went to my manager one day and I said, I really dislike Edinburgh and I want to really like Edinburgh. And it makes no sense to me that I'm taking this massive financial risk and just taking up what I do live that those people who I'm trying to impress can see any day of the week they yep. would like and without me taking that financial risk. So I think I ought to take a, fan, I, I ought to take a creative risk. So this is my idea. I'm going to do a show about the song Reasons to be Cheerful. And his reaction was, well, you don't want to do one about a more current song? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm not interested in it. So, so they organised previews for me in March, like miles ahead. So basically, it was a preview that was like, yeah. you can back out of this and we won't even be in the programme and no one will even know you're doing it. Yeah. So I was doing like the earliest Edinburgh preview there's right. ever been. And at the time, it was like, it's hard to remember. This is sort of at the time when you couldn't Google the lyrics to the song Reasons to be Cheerful. Yeah. Like, is that, that oh, I remember writing writing back so, in those days. I mean, yes. I, I, are they written on the album, or was it literally um, just stop? Who's Ad Chalentano? Just... Yeah, yeah. Basically, and I, I, so I did this preview, and, and part you of it can't Google the lyrics, and you can't even Google what they're about either, can you? <laughs> it's terrible. So it's like yeah. they just didn't exist as a thing you could easily yeah. search. So I was doing this preview show, and I was basically going like the second verse. I don't exactly know what it says, but I think it might be this, and explaining the story of it all and the. The research I was doing to try and find it, I'm going to the British Library and trying to find old copies of Smash Hits and all of that sort of stuff. And all of those stories, which I was only doing because I thought, I've got to explain why there's a gap in the show, were more engaging than the bits of show I had written. And it, the first night of preview, it was like a, it was a hostage situation. It was one of those that went on. They had to, they had to pull me off stage because I, I didn't realise how long I'd been on and it was an audience with, with like, the last bus was going yeah. and back to the art centre and stuff. And I came off stage and I was like, oh God, that, that show has got loads of holes in it. But they were hanging on every word. Like the, the whole idea was engaging. Yeah. So that will work. You sort of accidentally created a plot. Yeah. And then basically I started taking the jokes out and putting more of the truth in. And every time I t it's so counterintuitive for a comic. And I used to be like a one-liner comic yeah. prior to that at some point. Every time I took a joke out, the truth got funnier. Right. And there was some, there's some part of the equation which is, if you're telling a joke, which the audience knows is a joke and they know yeah. is not necessarily true, yeah. their equation in their head is, oh, this, this man's funny and he's prepared to bend the truth to make us laugh. Yeah. And then the truth feels less funny because they go, well, it's probably not true, is it? I mean, it's probably bending the truth a bit there. And suddenly that's not reaching the same level. And every time you take all those jokes out... Yeah, yeah. Every time you do that, that you leave more yeah. truth, and you're confronting them with something that makes them go, "This is that's actually that's actually happened." And then I start putting the evidence in that it was 100 percent true, yeah. and it heightened everything. I think I left one what I thought of as a gag in the show because there's one I couldn't bear to part with, <laughs> and everything else was true and had evidence, and it heightened everything. I, st that... I still I still struggle with this. When I'm telling a true story on stage. I yeah, can't yeah. Yeah. in extra punchlines or whatever. Yeah. I need still mostly because it's the clubs. You know, you, you need to get to the nearest laugh. It's uh... yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, like, like with the music, you've got to get to the key, you've got to get to that tonic it kills key. The story. I, 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 dread, I really, really liked once, and I, it, it, would, it would just bring everything else that's after it down by 10%. Because it was such an obvious lie yeah, yeah. that they no yeah. longer cared in the same way about what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. It's a really weird. There was also a thing I discovered when I did that show that was really useful. So, like the year before, I'd been doing a one man show, and it was just one man and a mic doing stand up and the rest of it. And I remember so many conversations. I think I was on at the same time as Frank Skinner, and Frank Skinner was sold out. And so I used to get a bit of his overspill right. in my room. And people would come up to you afterwards and go, Mate, what you need to do, you've got to do more knob jokes. Like, what you need <laughs> to do, right? And they start telling you what they think stand up comedy is. Yeah. Whereas it's always knob jokes, isn't it? <laughs> the truth is, stand up comedy is all sorts of things. Yeah. But people have a very certain even, even the stand-up's head. vague even that basic description somebody asks you what kind of comedy you do it's just such a hard question yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. I say that and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Frank's I don't I'm not sort of right. but his audience would come to me and go but you're nothing like Frank Skinner yeah. I ordered to see stand-up comedy well there's more than one type of stand-up comedy yeah the same yeah. people a year later they'd walk into a venue to see me I'd have two screens up, two projectors, no microphone in the middle. And instead of them coming in and going, I know what stand-up comedy is, let's see if he's doing what I think stand-up comedy is, they'd walk in and go, oh, I don't know what this is, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. And they'd be completely open to you doing something different. And people who are real sort of meat and potato audience members completely dropped their inhibitions and went, all right, I don't recognise this, so I'll, I trust you to yeah. know what it is. And it was really exciting to just go, nobody... All of the barriers that get in the way of stand-up at that stage of your career, which a lot of it is about people bringing their preconceptions and their demands and their desires, they just disappeared. And doing those shows, I never met that obstinate, I don't know what this is, why aren't you doing what I want kind of audience. Never met any of that. I suppose a lot of it, though, is because the clubs promote kind of competitiveness and putting one act on after another and so on. Yeah. Audiences are comparing comedy all the time. Yeah. I think it's different when you're doing a doing a solo show, or, or particularly when people get to know, or even when a few people. I thought I'm pretty sure that audiences are led by very few people amongst them. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. There's a few yeah, leaders yeah. in them, and so on. And it only takes a few people in the audience to like you, already already know your stuff, who will influence the rest of the audience. Yeah, yeah. If you've got hundred people and they've come in groups of four, you need to make twenty five people laugh to have yeah, everyone probably, yeah. laughing. Probably, yeah. yeah. I think it's probably about right. Yeah, I'm... but all of that gets easier when you get to a point where they've come to see you. Yes. I let all those obstacles disappear at some point. You never want to go on in this disguise and just find out. <laughs> no, I guess, I guess, like, the, the nearest I got to that was when I'd go to a foreign country. So, you know, I've gone and done shows in America yeah. and in Australia. And, I was going to ask you whether the reaction's and, different anywhere, anywhere and that, else. And that's, it's good for you because you have to prove it again. Yeah. And, and you can't cruise. So when I did Gugwak Adventure, I did it in Australia before I did it in England. And I didn't have a big reputation over there. I didn't, you know, so I, I went and I wasn't selling a load of tickets at the beginning of the festival and by the end I was selling out. And I made that show work in the way that I would have had to do in Edinburgh five years earlier or whatever. And it's really good for you. Yeah, yeah. What about yeah. after the Edinburgh show? I always wondered, was there a period where, where you couldn't sell out an art centre yet. Well, do, basically, were you ever doing projector-based stuff in clubs? I did. Um, it, it was a it was a very frustrating time because I I did so I did a show called Reason to Be Cheerful one year. Then I did a show called Better World, and both were sort of big in that Edinburgh bubble, 
but I could maybe play 15 to 20 art centres right. in a tour after it, which is not enough to live on. So I had to also keep doing club stand-up. And, and I wasn't writing stand-up because I'd found this thing that was like my new exciting toy and all my energy and all my yeah, yeah. brain power was going into this new exciting thing I had. And I'd be on stage doing stand-up in a club and even if it was going really well, I'd be, I'd be looking at it and thinking, oh, I wish you lot knew what I could do. <laughs> yeah. I wish you'd come and see that thing because yeah. it's better than this. I'm, yeah. I'm better at that than I am at this. And I, I want you to see the best thing I do. I did one night in a, it was a club in Islington. I'd just done a West End run of Are You Dave Gorman, which had come off the back of Edinburgh. And, and then I went and did a club gig like four days later and a couple came up to me afterwards and said, oh, we're so glad we've seen you now. We couldn't get tickets to the West End, but we've seen you now. Oh, oh, yes. and, oh the dagger in the heart of just saying, you think that's what I was doing in the West End? Huh. And what I was doing in the West End was 10 times better than what you've just seen. Yeah. And I, I called my manager a week later and said, I'm going to see out my diary and I'm not doing another one of those gigs. I'm just only doing this from here on in. I can't do it. It's, it's too painful. But even, like, just in case you haven't picked up from the contest, I've been <laughs> supporting Ableton. Yeah. Um, I think the second week of this tour, I had a gig in uh, at a Manchester club. Um, the the animal and the container, and, uh, <laughs> and just the experience of doing it. I just oh, and I was doing a lot of the same material, but it's just not the same. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I didn't have the keyboard with me as well. Yeah. But just that, no, the pauses couldn't work the same. They just didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Um, a theatre audience is never going to compare, though, is it, to a club audience? And also, also this, no. the size of an audience. Who, but I mean, you can sometimes you can like, find a theatre audience a little bit standoffish or whatever. But it's, I mean, that's that's us coming from people who mainly play clubs to do a theatre. Yeah, yeah. And the people in the theatre have come with the same understanding as a club. So we're really talking about a theatre as a building. Yeah. Whereas a theatre as an audience who come to see you is a delight. In fact, yeah. comes to see you, Dave. I, Nick, still find a fucking delight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I think that is... Um, I I get told by a lot of venues how nice my audience oh, is. Yeah. There's this sort really? Of, yeah, I don't know what yeah, it right. is. I'm very, Didn't very happy that at they all? exist. And there's a, there was one venue that was like, oh, we won't book as much security for you next time. Oh, you know, and they're naming <laughs> other comments. We have to have this many people for them. There's fights break out. And, so, and, and I am blessed with a very lovely, polite, <laughs> punctual... Crowd who, um, and and we've structured this show, I think, in a way that is, um, you know, it isn't. You can do it badly in a way that means a support act walks on stage and you always go, Oh, I didn't know there was a support act. And it can be really uphill, right, for the support if you don't take care of the show you don't apologize. and apologize. And, and <laughs> Sorry, we've got yeah. a support act on. Well, sometimes it's just sort of, I've, I've seen some shows where they. The first half is twenty minutes, and right. the second half is ninety. Yeah, and yeah. that's a really weird imbalance, and nobody introduces the support act. So you you go along to see someone that you know, and the first thing you hear is a support act doing their own voiceover, saying "Please welcome." Right, and they walk on. How's this one structured then? Are you saying something? I do really fifteen or? minutes before Nick. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then do five after him. And then, right. then, there's, a then break. there's a break. Okay. So it isn't... Because also, even if... Because if you just do no introduction and there's a support attack on for 20 minutes, I think an audience is legitimately going, oh, we've had a babysitter for this. Like, yeah. this isn't what we wanted. Yeah. You just... 
it's like it's like sitting in the cinema and you get all that. You do tell the them you're, you do tell them you're coming back. Though, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, don't yeah, go. yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Good night. Although, now, do you know what? In the beginning of the tour, <laughs> even I thought that was clear. <laughs> in the beginning of the tour, we were doing it slightly differently. And beginning tell of the me, tour, people left after Nick and thought that was the end. No, no, people were complaining <laughs> at the interval. So tweeted. Really? <laughs> you only did twenty minutes. At the beginning of the tour, I would do twenty minutes and then put Nick on. Right. And then there'd be an interval. Yeah. And in the interval, it would be a you know a small number of people out of the hole, <laughs> but significant enough to go, people actually think that. As people think I'm doing 20 minutes on my tour. And having not, someone else close <laughs> after you. And then not going on again. Like, why would anyone... Yeah. I, you know, it was pretty obvious. And I, and I had said, in that 20 minutes, I would say, I'm doing 90 minutes in the second half. So, you know, it's very explicitly stated. Thanks for coming to my show. Here's the headliner. <laughs> it was incredible. Like, so we had to I sort of restructured it so that... Yeah. It was almost like, unless I came on again after Nick, they didn't know that I was coming back. Even though I'd said I'm doing a long set in the second half. I'm going to say this again because we found there are always a few stupid people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, They will definitely be coming back out. Yeah. This is a break, not the end. (laughs) But I mean, occasionally you just think that things that, I mean, you ever been in the theatre where people use a phrase that you don't know what it means or you go, oh, of course, theatre speak. And then you think things that you completely take for granted, like interval. Yes. They just think maybe some people just that's, that that word doesn't happen in my life it must be an end. <laughs> yes. Like auditorium. Yeah. Yeah. They think means end. Well, there's some tweet. I was sorry not to see in the auditorium. Great act. I was like, what? Yes. Oh, glad you enjoyed it. Should we go for I a don't, drink? I don't, you I don't, mean I don't, auditorium don't, now. Don't really understand. <laughs> Basically, someone thought auditorium meant lobby. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah. suddenly the moment you yeah. got there, you go, oh, everything you're saying makes sense now. What the f- yeah. I need to go home. I'll call an auditorium. Yes. <laughs> 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 there's, there's someone out there who thinks everything, though, isn't it? Wherever, wherever the thing is, always someone yeah, 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 dumb yeah, enough yeah. to <laughs> have that thought. Um, do, you, do you have an idea for the next show at this moment, or do you have a break, rethink, and do you, do you have to finish a whole tour um, before you can entertain a new idea, or, or is it? Sort of, although, when I... Because I don't... I, I don't write things down properly and I don't rehearse before putting it... The only way of knowing if material works is putting it in front of an audience. And for me, um, the only way of knowing how long a bit is is putting it in front of an audience. Yeah. So I I built a load of stuff for this tour and I didn't know what was what. And we, we started off, we did... I was like doing a few new material things where I kind of host and have guests and try stuff in between. And I'd built up a store of material, and then I was trying to structure it into a show, and we started with a few warm-ups in Norwich. And the first one was three hours. You know, that's too long. Yeah. But loads of it was working. Yeah. And on the second night, I was like, I know that 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 was going so well, but I, it just has to come out. You yeah. can't... It's sort of... Those two bits have a very similar rhythm and structure, and they both punch really big but they sit them side by side they're not as good and they it's a, it's a really interesting thing actually that when you perform a show even from times where I've, I've done the same show over and over again at a number of different festivals yeah. and so on um, and, and oddly holes will start appearing 
yeah, uh, yeah. pieces that were definitely getting a laugh suddenly aren't getting <coughs> yeah, the yeah. same laugh and, and then you start the overcompensation to work out also other pieces get longer so there's, there's some pieces that get, get longer have an extra line in them whatever yeah, there's other yeah, pieces yeah. that get shorter because you go actually it's better without that bit and there's uh, the other ones like like we just mentioned it's very odd where you you realise there's two things that got the same word in it or the same yeah, structure yeah, yeah. to it that you just never realised before because you haven't got into this you're, you're yeah. so deep in the wood now I basically had, I had two routines that were the perfect way of closing a show right um, and in the same show yeah and <laughs> okay. I just uh, really easy we go yeah. I'll just take that one out and that will go in the next tour I'll yeah right like, some, some guys who had seen the previews in Norwich two guys who came to one of the South End shows and they came up afterwards and went where was the such and such bit we were really looking forward to the bit yeah I was like next tour yes. <laughs> alright then alright <laughs> cause you just go no point there's no point wasting it or, or doing it in a way that's not as good sometimes there's, there's material that this it's one of the things that i i i find a really uh, an annoying perception of stand-up is the idea that it is a collection of discrete bits and funny is funny and that's a funny yep. joke and you could airlift it into any part of the show and tell it in any order and the truth is you're you're constantly sort of changing the audience's perception of what is right and proper and you're trying to surprise them and you keep them off balance. And yeah. Like I had a routine once. And I, I It was in um, a tour, three or four tours ago. The, the gist of it was I'd gone to the post box at the end of my road, had my keys still on my finger, was posting something in, oh, yes. and I realised there was jeopardy that they could drop the keys in. So I stopped. And then I was going, ah, oh, but would I get material out of it? And so it all it all spun yeah. from this idea of yes. whether or not I should drop my keys in and and whatever to generate a story for material and how weirdly ill that is of a comic's brain to have all those thought processes or whatever. And I put it in this tour because you can't lie. You can't. You're not the, you're the guy who can say I did drop my keys in if you didn't. I yeah, didn't. No, exactly. Anyone yeah, else yeah, could yeah. do it. Yeah. So I right. So I had this bit and it was <laughs> Dave. Did you deliberately post your keys? So. Well, in the beginning of the tour, yeah. that bit was mentioned in a couple of reviews as a bit of a weak spot. And at the end of the tour, it was mentioned in a couple of reviews as a highlight. And what right. happened is I moved it to after the interval. Yep. And in the first part of the show, effectively what happens is you set up a pattern of what stand-up is. And then they'd sort of have an interval to digest it. And then they'd come out. And then you did something that broke the pattern and discussed the pattern and deconstructed it for them. And that made it really funny. They've but tuned, if you they've did tuned that before you. you've established right. the pattern, yes. it didn't work as well. Yeah. And then I had to. It was a show. Oh, that the novelty was, act going on first. Yeah. And then we we did it as a a DVD that show and had to have no interval. And I tried running it without the interval, and that bit didn't work again. Wow. And okay. That bit became highly comic. Yep. If you had an hour of stand up and a break. And then came back again. Isn't that weird? And it didn't work without the break. And what And it's trying to how do you explain an that interval to on a DVD? Yeah, you can't no, literally pause. Well, yeah. I'm Dave. Yeah. Now's a good time to go meet some coffee. And you can't explain that to a punter. No. Because they go, well, it's my brain. I heard those words. They made me laugh. Yes, they stand. Or, it's they my brain. I they think it stands alone, and it yeah. does not. And it never does. Because there's some pieces that are funnier when when people have got to know you anyway. Yeah. After a few minutes and. I always find it funny as well when people would say, uh, just, you know, if it's a short set somewhere, just go on and do your best stuff. I don't know what my best stuff is. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and also, my best stuff 
is after 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you, because those 10 minutes are creating an environment in which the best stuff now works. Yes. And it doesn't necessarily work. Yeah. First line First of the bit. Like, I have to go and let some guests in the stage door. If you keep well, well, let's, let's wind out. How long have we been talking? Let's, is that about right? It's about half now. Yeah, that's about right. That's what we're looking for. You, like, so no, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys have got loads, of, loads of setting up to do anyway. So um, yeah, um, we have to get into our costumes, don't we? Yeah. Get get into your costume. What's, do you think the future is going to be like um, holograms and stuff? Are you going to... <laughs> no, no. I don't know what the a toy show called "Is This Dave Gordon?" <laughs> Three-dimensional. Well, do you mean I could sort of stay in my house performing it while the hologram? Oh, we all, we in all want that. Yeah. We all want to stay in our house and be able to or have the audience just appear in our lounges for a few minutes. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure being able to uh, talk to you on the podcast. So um, Nick's looking like he's he's, 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 he's panicking because people are stuck outside. I'm not panicking. I just feel like I'm being uh, rude to people. So uh, insert your own credits here. You can apologize. You can apologize if you know who they are. You can apologize to them now when they hear it. They'll realize why you didn't answer the door. Great for them. idea. I love that Carrie thinks your friends listen to you. <laughs> My friends. Oh, do. they're not friends. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Um, it's uh, <laughs> um, tune out now. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye.